Jess, you know how beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Uh-huh. Don't worry about that fortitude save, baby. You're a nat 20. Hey. Aww. Aww. Thanks, Amber. <laughs> Duh. Duh. I love Duh. you too. <laughs> guys we're all here we're all here together so yeah today on modified roles we're all here and we're all going to talk about romance and rpgs and uh romance adjacent things like i guess cheesy dandy pickup lines <laughs> horny bards hey my yeah. bard is very not horny thank you <laughs> so we're done department because your bard so is terrifying that's why <laughs> you leave my you leave my sweet girl alone <laughs> Your horny pup, no, your your puppet bard is not horny, I hope, but it's terrifying. Look, I just have a little elvish abomination. It's fine. Horrible. That's the Anyway, Eldritch abominations need love too. Do they? Yeah. Well, I think anything is deserving of love, and that's why we're here tonight. We're going to talk about potentially romance in RPGs. Not forcing romance in RPGs. Um, and there's a lot to unpack, really. Question for you guys. Do you guys ever, like, plan for romance for your players? like as, Or do you kind of just, like, put people out there and then people, like, hit on someone or, like, latch on to things and then you roll with it? Do you ever, like, go into a game knowing that that's what you're going to do? Or I have planned romances, not going to lie. Because I, I've been playing with some of my players for a very long time. So I know the kind of stories and subplots that they like. And I know the kind of NPCs and characters that their characters tend to like. So I'll be like, I'll be like crafting NPC. I'll be like this one. Kent's going to get married and have kids. I was just going to say, we have a friend always gets married every game. Every time. I'll be like, and this is the one he's going to go for. I just know. <laughs> I never plan it in a way that it will derail anything if it doesn't happen. But I'll be like, you're going to like this NPC. <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll Because like, I'll have you guys ever had a game where like, a long-term game where like, no one hits on someone? I feel like that doesn't oh, no. happen, no, right? Not at all. I feel like yeah. someone's always going after like some NPC. Yep. That's true. And two two comments about this. Uh one is I've never done it ahead of time in a way that I've like like Amber was just saying, like she she has a player who she knows is going to um, you know, take the bait. She, that that is go that is looking to do that when they play this game. Um, and I have a player in a lot of my long-term games that I know is is open to playing out romantic um, relationships in games. But I've never, like, prepped a campaign and said, well, i got to put this person in. But it's definitely something that should be discussed. We're going to talk about this a lot. Um, it should go back to our Session Zero conversation. Go listen to our Session Zero podcast episode. It's one of those things you have to talk about in a Session Zero is the expectation of romance in the game at all? And how much are you willing to really go about it? We'll get into that a little bit more later. Just kind of do like a real uh, quick re-overview of Lines and Veils. Um, but I have had players, yeah, who who show interest. I kind of, it's funny when you said that, Amber, when you said like, I don't do it so it will derail my game, but I do think up NPCs and go, oh, he's going to like that NPC. And it made me think of, um, not a tabletop RPG, but honestly you know, most people's favorite RPG that they've played or experienced in their life, Skyrim. Mm -hmm. There's options to marry quite a few NPCs in that game. You have to go out of your way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a main quest line. It's not important or anything like that. But you can do it and you can get a house and you can do this stuff. And, you know, in a game, depending on the theme of your game, depending on what you're doing in your role playing games, it could be D&D, it could be Fate, it could be superheroes, it could be anything. Um, just the option of having, you know, a home with a family, uh, not only presents really interesting ways to promote character growth and, uh, for the GM to work in storylines, it's also, a threat, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's a great way to ramp up tension, uh, because you, you like Sarah likes to say, to yeah, like Sarah likes to say, uh, hurt the things they love, you know what I mean? So, is that really gonna be? 
Sophia what Sarah says? I mean, That's it's one of the things I remember the most say. about Sarah's advice. Yeah, and you said it so. You said it so with such conviction. It's true. It sticks out in my mind. Your darlings. But that's a great question, Jess. It's like, yeah, like how much do you prepare for it ahead of time? I so it's so, interesting because yeah. like quite quite the opposite of my case. I don't think it's it's come up in tons of games that I played, but it's never been something that we planned. You know, it just kind of spontaneously occurred. Uh and you just rolled with it, including times when we didn't really specifically discuss it at a session zero, but we just kind of went with it, Sarah. And, uh, <laughs> and and took it. And maybe you'd like to tell that story, Sarah, of how you put me yes. on the spot. Because so, Rainy, Rainy actually did say, do you put someone on the spot? So, yes, some some DMs do do that. <laughs> so, okay. So, first off, don't make me sound like the bad guy. I did not know this. It was actually wasn't to. entirely you. That's that's true. It was the other uh, This was yeah. a series of coincidences. So, as I've, as I've mentioned before on the podcast and on the streams and all that, um, I'm currently running a... Uh, Pathfinder Rise of the Rulers campaign, which Christian is a part of, as well as three of my closest friends from my home games. Um, and there's the, the the session that has now become the most infamous is the characters were in the starting town of Sandpoint. And if you know uh, Sandpoint, you know there is a building called the Pixie's Kitten, which is a brothel. Um, and one of the things that was detailed about it is that the, there are two, uh, regular guards that guard the front and they are, um, Shawanti, which is Pathfinder's, uh, version of Native Americans. Uh, Christian's character calling Thunder is a Shawanti and it was not common for Shawanti to be outside in like big cities like this. Um, it was just not a thing that was normally seen. So he saw them and was like, you know, did the, like, I described it as the nod of two dudes on motorcycles passing by one another, just the understanding. Well, my friend uh, decided that her character didn't quite put two and two together to what he was referring to. And so she saw the building, put together what it was and went, oh, he's lonely. He wants company. Long story short, through a series of disguised self spells and trickery, they got him there. Long story short, a couple days later, he had a girlfriend. Hey, good for you. None of yeah, I know. Finally, Uh, none of that was planned. in like, you know, ahead of time or, or, you know, nor did I expect that night to go that way, uh, nor did my character. Uh, But, um, it just was something that happened and it was an opportunity that was presented. And, you know, I was right at the table when like, you know, the other characters were conspiring. My character wasn't there. And it was a moment of, you know, look, I can just stop this if I wanted to. Yes. Right. Or I could say yep. yes. And, and I just said yes. And because I figured it would be funny because part of, of my characters, he's kind of a fish in the, out of water. He's coming from nature. He's a Druid. He's like, you know, kind of a hick amazed by the big city life. And so it would have been a funny thing. Uh, and yeah, it, went, it became the session that we joke about the most now. Uh, <laughs> um, but the game. one thing about that, though, is that it was very openly a uh, we can stop this. Yep. If this is exactly. uncomfortable, it was directly stated. Um, and even one of the, the other players that was conspiring was like, Christian, like, you don't have to go through with this. This is just the thought process. You can, you know, and we always said like, oh, you know, you could like wisdom rolls or whatever. And mm-hmm. his character drew it good at wisdom. And Christian basically went, oh, no, this is hilarious. I want this yep. to happen. Yeah. Uh, so there was, even though it was a completely spontaneous thing between myself and the players, there was just direct consent involved and it well, didn't take away from anything. Not at all. Added to it. It added to it. It added some pretty great jokes about calling thunder, making the plants grow. And it's uh, multiple times, multiple in times night. in one night. And um, it also, the other point too, is like, we cut that off before any details were yes. yeah, shared. Yeah. No, we don't need black. to go there. Yeah. Fade, fade to, black. to black is an important. Yep. Um, yeah. Like most people don't want to sit there and listen nope. to, to your erotic <laughs> fantasies to a blow by uh, blow. at a table. Yeah. So it's a perfect opportunity to reinforce lines and veils or the X card if things yep. get in an uncomfortable place or anything like that. Um, yeah, that's a very important part of any conversation. It's like has romance to do with... in real life. Consent, consent, consent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So, so I have a, I have a question to pose. Um, I, I personally don't have a ton of experience with romance um, in like, I haven't played a lot of romance as far as my characters and role-playing games. Um, and, and really now that I think about it, even games that I played way back when with you guys and stuff, I don't think there was really any romance, romance elements. Um, but uh, our, our longstanding um, Shadows Vestern game, uh, there, there is an element of romance and it's actually between two of the characters. Mm. So, mm. Uh, and it's not something that was, you know, premeditated essentially. Uh, you know, it might've had like a, sprinkled you know seeds or whatever here or there as part of the characters like backstories because they were pre-generated characters um but yeah i mean that's something that it poses a great role-playing opportunity for the players um but you also have to consider how it makes you know how the other players are going to fit into that because everyone has this dynamic as a group um of friends or whatever and then that dynamic drastically changes for people. Um, so, so I just wanted to uh, maybe I don't know maybe Jess and Amber, you guys can talk about that experience in in our game and how how you have um, I don't know how you managed it or dealt with it or whatever. Yeah, one of the things that I was gonna say is that we talked about like consent, but like it's not even just consent between like the NPC or the two people who are falling in love, right? It's also consent of the entire group, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to make sure that everyone is comfortable, whether it's the person mm-hmm. who's actually engaging in the romance, right, or the people who are sitting or on the, the people side who are having to yeah. listen to it yeah. <laughs> or you know participate I mean? in like, adventures to rescue someone. Yeah, or- <laughs> which to be fair, they've done a great job of kind of making a mockery of it. But but that's a great point though, is that yeah, like everyone's opinion in in the game is valid towards romance depicted in general mm-hmm. to any character, to any, mm-hmm. you know, player. Um I do like Think the about uh, real life. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't mean to interrupt, but like literally how how often more than not do romantic relationships start as friendships right Mm -hmm. you have a group of friends and then all of a sudden two of your friends are dating and it's like yo what the fuck like what is going on that's true but i would that's that's real life i agree with that but like i feel like outside people like your other friends have like less of a say right because that's the relationship between two people and like it kind of mm -hmm. just involves them but in a game environment like you're there as a a collaborative story yeah it's a collaborative story yeah. Oh yeah, and I was just drawing up a, a similarity. Mm, yeah. I was oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense for, for, same thing. for characters in an adventuring party to fall in love oh, relatively frequently, considering the shared trauma and extreme situations and uh, mm-hmm. the vast amount of trust and reliance they have to put on each other to survive. Yeah, it's human nature. Gotcha. It makes sense. <laughs> Speaking of real life, though, I've actually had a player in my games. I've had two different players um, bring in new significant others into the D&D table. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's them trying to introduce their new significant other to a hobby that they that enjoy. They but at the same time, it is a, you know, tightrope to walk where, um, and this is actually something I wanted to talk about as well, and I was glad you brought it up, Troy. Um, romance in RPGs, it can be between the characters in the game it gets a lot more awkward when we're talking about players at the table. You know what I mean? If they're in a relationship, okay. But I mean, don't put that into the game if you don't need to. And then also, if it's a person who's interested in someone else at the table and they're not in a relationship uh, and they're using the game. That's such a dangerous zone. Yeah. That's such a dangerous zone, man. You really need to put your foot down and say, like, that's not why we're playing this game. You know what I mean? We're not here for you to make moves on this other player. Hey, you're you know harassing I mean? so-and-so. Exactly, Stop. right. Um, yeah, and like, Like, you so, gotta go. <laughs> yeah, there is a social contract that needs to be honored, and that is that, you know, we're here for a certain reason. And again, that reason, those reasons should be discussed in a session zero, or if it's out of the blue and it starts happening like that, that's something you have a discussion about at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about this episode, this one, like, this is the last time I'll bring it up. Romance and RPGs, we're talking about in the game. At the table, you know, that's a conversation to have with your friends in real life about respecting everybody's boundaries. And it's funny how much it mirrors the game, though. It really does, you know. Yeah. It's also great when you have, like, a couple in a campaign and they've been together for, like, a long time and they just, like, hate each other. (laughs) 
that's the other thing that can happen instead of the characters being like oh i'm just like so in love like a brand new someone brings a brand new significant other to the game and their characters are being all and you're like like they just been together for like 15 years and they're like i'm gonna fucking kill you yeah my my (laughs) wife my wife hates my characters no matter what (laughs) it is it is also a running joke between my partner and i that we physically cannot make D characters that are romantically interested in one another just don't just uh, know. the first time we played in a campaign together he openly insulted her the minute they met and she wanted to murder him this campaign Beautiful. uh my character feels like she has to babysit the giant man child and resents him for it like out of character like obviously you know we've been together for like three years we live together we love each other but the characters just can never get along <laughs> That, yeah, so, you know, yeah, but that actually goes, like that's that's like a nice out. like subconscious <laughs> thing of like you know you know like when they do therapy and you like you talk to talk through a puppet's voice so like say something like you know that like you ever seen that right uh it's kind of the same thing right you're 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 you're, you're working through issues with that. <laughs> therapy. Not having to actually therapy. Think, like oh it's our character i don't think we it, are it, but i'm fair. just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> It's funny that you bring that up though, Christian, because, you know, one of the, so like, I think of Bluebeard's Bride as an example of a game where it offers role-playing challenges, but also opportunities for you to literally work through and process things that might, that might actually be difficult or like traumatic for you in real life in a way that feels a little safer and more controlled. Could a player potentially look at that the same way with romantic relationships? Maybe maybe that is an area of difficulty in their life or an area of, I don't know, maybe fear or whatever, what mm. have you. And the way that they work through that in a safer way is by exploring in a way they feel comfortable with in a role playing game. That's you know? still that's dangerous, absolutely though. possible, but I think it's a really dangerous oh, way of doing but it. Any, I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely dangerous, but like I would say no more dangerous than like Bluebeard's Bride. But <laughs> that's pretty fucking yeah, dangerous. Yeah, I mean, as I think as... I think if you can do it in a safe way, and then if you do it in a way where yeah. everyone is comfortable, then yeah, yeah absolutely, sure. absolutely. I actually think that's something that um, almost anything can be uh, treated or addressed that way in RPGs. Um, mm-hmm. I know I have some personal traumas and issues and I find RPGs very cathartic when I explore those difficult um, or traumatic themes for myself within the context of the plot. Um, I love doing that. <laughs> it's not everybody does though. Some people like trauma, they don't want to go there. And some people like do want to go there in controlled settings with people that they trust. Um, that's another thing to keep in mind. Like just because you have one group or a certain number of players from different groups who are cool with some things, like don't automatically assume that about all groups or all players. Like yeah. group A might yeah. be totally down. Every one of them is going to be married by the end of this game. Like they love romantic side plots. Group B, maybe not interested, or maybe only a couple of them are interested. And that means right. like you have to the most part, see if the others the are yeah. okay with it happening with other players and how much time is fair to. Right. To, That's like, a good point. That That's a really good that point, plot. Amber. Yeah. That time, time has yeah, to be taken into consideration. Yeah, you don't want like the that's romance a, yeah. between yep. two characters or a character and to take like, everything taking over. over the plot, and then everybody else is sitting there like, okay, like what can I do? <laughs> well, and like yeah, and as and as a way for somebody to explore that you know uncomfortableness in their life, like it might be even more difficult to like have a conversation with that person and be like, hey, you know, this is what you're dealing with, but like, and I'm happy to have you do it in the game. But at the same time, we need to have like a real conversation. You know what I mean? Like you can't just like explore these things and say, like you know like hit a bunch of people out of nowhere at a game table, you know? Yeah. You know, unless we're all on board. You you have to make sure everybody's interests are being explored and given equal attention and time. Like somebody may be really, really into their romantic subplot and that's great for the character. But like the other person's quest to craft this item is also like, that's their thing. Like that's just as important. They need to get Mm -hmm. equal time toward their character's personal interests. Spotlight is a big, is a big thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Actually, it's speaking of uh, spotlighting and giving everybody appropriate time and stuff like that, because uh, that's that's a thing that should happen in all games, whether or not there's romance in it. You know what I mean? Like, make sure you share your character's interests at a game table. And I, speaking of ways to implement things from any game into romance and RPGs, I did just want to bring up this idea and see how you guys felt about it. We're talking about romance and RPGs. Like, yeah, if everyone's cool with it, let them explore it. Let them have this fun with it, right? And we did bring up the fact that it offers benefits and it offers potential plot hooks for the DM and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But like another way to do it is to treat that romance like any other quest. If we're say like, you know, borrowing terms from a fantasy game, but it could be like anything else. 
and like put obstacles in their way. Like, don't make it easy. Make it a difficult. Oh, it's just thing like writing a book. Achieve. Nobody likes you know I mean? romance. That's easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's boring. Like, right. Them. It should not be something where someone goes, "Hey, do you want to like maybe date in this game?" And everyone's like, "Cool, yeah, done." Uh, no, mm-mm, no. If it's make easy it... for them to get together, it better be hard for them to stay together. <laughs> Even better, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Now all of a sudden, what are all the obstacles in their way? Like. And that's just like Troy, like speaking to Troy's last point, actually, that's a great way to engage those conversations. You know what I mean? Like maybe at first give them the thing that they're struggling with and then make them see like, you know, all sides of it and explore all of the facets of something, you know, engage in anyway. the Sarah method and attack like, what they love. Yep. The attack Sarah. They're going to be like, Sarah. The pull of Sarah. Something I do want to mention about attacking what they love in regards to romance is to be careful of fridging of characters. That's something that's not super cool in uh in books movies any media and rpgs are no different like shouldn't create a character um that is going to be important to another character like that somebody who is at least a secondary character um with this with the sole purpose of being killed to motivate somebody else and Mm -hmm. it goes to what you mentioned about the three uh oh three responsibilities responsibilities One, one of them is to the characters and that's not cool um, traditionally so, fridging it comes from the women in refrigerators that's the trope and it's the tendency um and i think it started with comic books but really it's it did. green lantern that's female, i know exactly the female characters yeah. to be yep. murdered just to motivate yep. men their only yep. reason for existing in the plot is yep. to die to motivate a man super that's uncool. actually um that's a great way to plug this and maybe move into a thing we always do but i think it's a little early but it's up to you guys um but i do want to plug um the author of Monster Hearts, who is, which is one of the games we're undoubtedly going to talk about in the near future as far as romance and RPGs and games that do it well, um, does have, I believe it's a free um, short PDF about playing safely within games that are going to have these themes and how to uh, responsibly do it. Um, and yeah, at one point they discussed the three circles of responsibility. Um, go check it out. It is called Safe Hearts by Avery Alder. Um, and the three circles of responsibility are yourself at the table, the other people at the table, and the the characters in the game. Like, treat them with respect. Don't take away agency, something we've talked about a lot of times. You know, um, these are all people with valid, uh, like the characters all have valid feelings and sides and, and goals and ambitions. Um, and your audience as well, as we mentioned, right? If you're if you're doing something where it's a streaming or you have a live audience or people that watch you, those people have to be um, taken into consideration as well, at least to a certain extent, right? That's what uh, disclaimers and content warnings are largely for. Yeah, but warn yeah. people. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And also like on top of just like generally not being cool fridging and stuff, your players are going to get real tired of that real fast. If like everything that you give them that they enjoy is just something that you then take away from them or hurt them or traumatize like every single thing. That's when you, that's going to grind them down. Some things. Absolutely. That's good storytelling, but well, <laughs> there if, should be chances for if, success. If, it should yeah. be a little more nuanced than like, Oh, Oh, here's this girl. She's funny and smart. I bet she's gonna if you die. Take away everything if I like from, her. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you take you know. everything away, you're gonna want your next game is gonna have a table full of edgelords, right? <laughs> Who will not form attachments to anything yeah, because they, they've learned that's a much different you've, romantic game. You've tra- you've trained your players that yeah. they can't <laughs> have attachments to anything in your game. It's not safe. They get hurt. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that we kind of skipped over Troy's question earlier. I realized we never really answered it. But um, so Amber and I both play characters who are falling in love in Troy's Asterin game. And I I very much enjoy it because it, it gives me a lot of emotional investment in other people's characters. Like right now, Amber's character has been kidnapped and is trapped somewhere. Again. Kind of, again. again. Fucking again. <laughs> and like I was going to talk about emotional bleed just – leading into it just because like my character is very much terrified but I'm also very much terrified too like I have no idea what's going to happen to him and I'm very very scared but um I guess as a regular player but on a on another level as well just because we have that attachment in the game as well yeah it's uh it's led to some incredibly high stakes and it's also um it's motivated me to think about my character's flaws in context of someone he admires which is Arwen um, which has really done a lot to round him out and make him more dynamic, which is very cool. 
I also personally just really enjoy the fact that Ian, the man, keeps getting like kidnapped and tortured and Arwen, the woman and knight, keeps saving him like the damsel in distress that he is. I just, I love the gender reversal on that. It is endlessly amusing and fun for me. <laughs> and uh, Arwen's a total badass. So fingers crossed that she will get me out of this situation again. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And, and it's led to some, like I said, it's led to some really phenomenal role-playing opportunities and kind of cinematic type of moments, um, which you know uh the other two characters in our game uh you know uh masha and sid they're always happy to break it with comedic relief if it gets too intense which is perfectly fine and funny so yeah it's it creates i don't know it's just a great dynamic yeah, I like that's it, a good so. example of a difficult romance like i'm not sure that they're actually going to work out in the end they have a lot of obstacles between them um and the way the story is progressing they are making mistakes and falling farther and farther away from each other. And it's just very tragic, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah. So uh, shadows of Esterin. Yeah. So I was just going to say that like, as a player, I, I love romance, right? It gives me kind of a stronger tie into the role playing in the game as a DM. I hate it because when my players do this shit, I never know what to do. Uh, <laughs> so, or like wh- how far I'll go or just like, I'm like, okay. Just consults with me. She's like, them. well, Kent cool. like this NPC. And I'm Done. like, no, Kent's going to marry this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. like, I just, I, I'm terrible at it and I hate it. So like as a DM, I don't ever really do it, but I love it as a, as a player. <laughs> Yeah, it's easier yeah. to be invested in a character if the character is invested in other things. Mm-hmm. That's that's good really advice good in general. Just yeah. make characters who are invested in something because then you'll be invested in that character. Oh, I was just going to say something we briefly mentioned, but um, specifically said we wanted to talk about was emotional bleed. Um, so for folks who are not familiar, emotional bleed, um, I wish I could remember the exact origins of it, but basically... It refers to when you are playing a character, uh, whether that is in an RPG or um, some other form like uh, play or a LARP, um, which is where I've heard it the most. Um, And they are experiencing some set of strong emotions and that then affects you as the player. Um, It is common. It is normal and it is okay to have emotional bleed, but the most important thing is to be able to step back and recognize when it is happening. So you can kind of, you know, like I said, step back and reassess and figure out where the best and safest route for you going forward is in order to progress the story without you being upset or fucking yourself up (laughs) like you 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 play these games to have fun and the strong emotions are often a part of that fun right um you know i've i've repeatedly stolen and used the record uh that rady gave me of run your character like a stolen car and i i let my characters go through horrible trauma uh but i also need to know when to step back and go all right hold on breathe figure this out and then get back in Mm mm-hmm Good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have been there. <laughs> I have had a couple characters, very memorable characters, where I was like, I am too close to this right now. This is not good. And it's been destructive in my personal life sometimes. And sometimes it has been um, transformative in a helpful way, but other times in a not helpful way. So uh, that's something that you you got to learn about yourself as you go <laughs> and grow. <laughs> And sometimes listen to others that you trust. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're not in a place to see something, but someone else would be like, "Hey, you okay, bud?" <laughs> and if there's someone you love and trust, they can maybe help you through that. <laughs> um, it's also like a if you are like a reader, or um, if you even if you follow like any like television series or something, you empathize very strongly with certain characters. Like if you if you're one of those people who's ever been there, like you've been reading a series for ten years, and then this something happens to your favorite characters, and you're like why did I ever do this? Like, I regret reading this. I'm in so much pain right now. I can't get out of bed. Like, that has also happened to me once or twice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, burst out. I'm the kind of person who bursts out crying at, like, television and movies because I just, like, I can emotionally get on wavelengths. Like, what you know the what fuck? I mean? Like, and, like, and just, like, there are, <laughs> Same rainy. There yeah. are times, I remember I was on vacation with my wife. We got away to, like, Vermont for a oh. weekend just to go away. And I just brought a book. I was just like, I'm just going to bring this book. And, like, randomly, I popped open to read, like, 
five pages of a chapter hit like an absolute out of nowhere twist and i just started bawling and she mm-hmm. was like what the fuck we're going out to lunch in like five minutes i was like i don't think you so can't do it. <laughs> i've had to do that i've had to actually stop reading books i just be like nope yeah. <laughs> i can't go here yeah done you know sorry um, running so away like it's yeah. It, like Amber said, sometimes just check in with yourself. And like Sarah said, it's that emotional bleed. Check in with yourself and make sure that, you know, um, you understand that this is your character experiencing it. Not necessarily you, even though you are, you know, embodying that character. Um, and just, you know, always take a moment to breathe and self-assess. Um, and if you're a player or a GM and you see this happening from one of your players... Be kind. <laughs> be kind. It's nice to be able to recognize that happening to somebody else too and be like, you know, supportive and not a total dick about it. Um, it's just awareness. Awareness. <laughs> yeah, this came up in our horror episode because we were worried about emotional bleed. You can really, you know, get under someone's skin with something that they're not oh, comfortable yeah. with. But romance is, you know, almost the other side of that coin where, you know, they can get too close to something that they didn't know Definitely. they mm-hmm. wanted or, you know what I mean? Something, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, or just an experience that they didn't think was going to affect them as much. So, as always, uh, just another good GM tip in general, check in with your players regularly. Just make sure, you know, that the game is proceeding in a way that everyone is comfortable with. Yes, and speaking of games. <laughs> oh, well, because I'm, I'm thinking of, like, a person in our – it was in our sci-fi game. Who like loved my character and then he died for her and I'm just still torn up about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh sounds... my god, are you talking about what's his name? I am. I'm I don't name? remember his it? name. I don't remember his name either. Clearly made an impact on him. <laughs> I remember his name. <laughs> what's well, his my name? Character he was, okay, so again, Justin he and I named ended up in a lot of game after her. but my character was actually Danny Jess's character. And this other dude, and then he died, and I was like, Good friends, but that guy. <laughs> he named the ship after also her. Also, very complicated so relationship. <laughs> Ravi, that was his fucking name. <laughs> that was his name. It was Ravi. That's right. Oh, God, I know, Robbie. right? I know. I know. Jeez. Could at least be G Money or something. Oh, G yeah, Money. <laughs> it's another character I loved. Okay, I fall in love a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the the little note I had next to this on our uh, podcast schedule was, I ain't a player, I just crush a lot, which if anybody gets that reference, good on you, you're old like me. Um, Stop that. But anyway, let's, let's segue to our uh, usual segment of what games do we all want to plug that uh, maybe do romance well or can handle it or... You know, just a game that if people are interested in exploring this space in role-playing games, they could check out. Um, there's quite a few. Um, does anybody want to go first, particularly? Well, as soon as I have recently discovered a new game that I am most likely going to run for DMs After Dark at some point called Under Hollow Hills by Megway and... Maggie, I Maggie, think it's Maggie. Meg, Maggie and Vincent Baker? Yes. Vincent, yeah, Maggie they, and Vincent they're Baker. The, they're the Powered by the Apocalypse people. They have another game. <laughs> um, it's called Under Hollow Hills, and it is a game where you play a uh, like a fairy carnival, basically. Um, it's really different from a lot of RPGs, and that is not combat-focused at all. Um, it's not even really adventure-focused. It's like the boss fight of every session is the performance that you've put on to meet the needs of the people of the new locale you've come to. So you're literally playing a carnival. You roll into all these new and fantastical places. You meddle in people's personal personal shit and stir shit as the Fae like to do. And you find out like what's up with all their personal plots and dramas and desires and needs. And you craft a performance to affect them. Um, this game uh, is very romantic. Uh, just looking at some of the plays in the playbooks, like it, it's designed to encourage... Um, players to become entangled in complicated, sometimes romantic ways with NPCs and each other. Um, I want to read one, just one of the plays on one of the play sheets here, and you'll get an idea of what I mean by the game itself, and the plays are designed to be romantic. Um, this is from The Nightmare Horse, which is basically a Kelpie. It is fucking badass. I love this playbook. But one of the moves spe- specific to The Nightmare Horse is called Take Someone's Breath Away. 
And when you roll a strong hit at 10 plus, you get to pick two off this list. When you roll a regular hit seven to seven to nine, you get to pick one. And these are some of the options you have to choose from when you make a hit on this. You read out loud, at this moment, for me, the moon rises and sets in your eyes. Will you close them against me? At this moment, any other soul's approach but yours, I would flee. Will you come closer? At this moment, no one but you may touch me in safety. Will you? At this moment, I will bear no one on my back but you. Will you ride me? At this moment, I'm wearing my silver necklace, and if you place your hand on it, I'm yours. Will you? At this, mo this moment is fleeting and there is no other like it. In a another instant and I may never be yours. Will you come to my arms? That's a play. That's a move that you make in this game with this character sheet. That there is are a lot of amazing. other examples um, in all the different yeah. playbooks where something is romantic or emotional and it's designed to address emotional complications. Even some of the standard plays are like um, draw someone out and you ask them like, what do you fear most will happen in this moment? What do you hope most will happen in this moment? So it's all about um, mm -hmm. just playing on those kind of emotional entanglements and complications, which is really cool. I was going to mm -hmm. say one of the some of the bonds to between actual players ask for volunteers of like who will be in love with your character. Yep. One of the nightmare horses like bonds versa. is I've fallen in love with X, though naturally I keep that fact from myself. I can never put them off. Who? And you ask around the table, like, does anybody want to be X? Bonds are optional yeah. too. It doesn't force anybody to do anything that they don't want to. But if somebody's like, oh, I'd like that to be oh, me. Nice. <laughs> You'll be like, all right. And it applies mechanics to it. Like there are certain moves that you can't use against that player once that bond is formed. Oh, that's a good way to use bonds. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of moves that deal with... Um, that kind of relationship, uh, teasing, will they, won't they, you know, yep. just that, that interpersonal, um, you know, persuasiveness. Uh, I'll, I'll pitch the easy one, which is Monster Hearts 2 by, uh, who we spoke about earlier, Avery Alder. Um, Monster Hearts 2 being a, um, how would you describe this game? Um, a queer supernatural high school drama with a lot of sexual angst. And just uh, growing up, kind of growing pains kind of thing. Um, it's very sassy. It's very, um, it's about the, you know, it's about being, I don't know how to describe it. But um, basically, you know, you are playing characters like, um, I believe people are like vampires. What are the, the playbooks? Vampires, werewolves, witches, uh, you know, all that stuff. Think you're yeah, vampire it's, exactly. diaries. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Yep. Um, but again, I just love like the moves. Like when I read PBTA games, I go right to the moves. Right. Um, and there's there's a move in Monster Hearts called turn someone on. You know, hey. when you turn someone on, roll, roll with hot. Hot is one of your stats. <laughs> That's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about this game knows what it's going for and it's fucking going to crush it. Um, and yeah, like, you know, on a 10 plus gain a string on them. Cause again, you're you know what I mean? Like, it's all about pulling people's strings. It's all about like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, mess with people and, and just be in that kind of, um, that presence. And it says, you know, choose a reaction that they give, you know what I mean? Choose a reaction. Like I give myself to you. I promise something I think you want, or I'll get embarrassed and act awkward. You know what I mean? Uh, there's also shut someone down as a move, which is fucking awesome. You're like, you know, that this game is going to be about being fucking just Sassy is the word I'm going to use. I Just don't a think hormonal monster. A hormonal monster. That's the perfect way to describe, yeah, this game. Uh, monster Hearts 2 is definitely a game where you can um, explore a lot of um, romantic entanglements and a lot of different things at the, at the table. And I believe that was going to be something we were going to play around Valentine's Day this year. We might wait and play it later. We might end up playing it still. Um but it's definitely on our list of games to play with this group because that, that it sounds be so cute. Oh yeah, I would love <laughs> to play it. Uh, cute is We're probably not the word. We're playing the CW now. Just, just cute a lot. I don't think it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> just playing characters that we also think are the worst as we're playing them. We love it. Oh, no, no, <laughs> it sounds like everything I read and watch. Yeah, Mads would fit in here big time. Oh, no. if Mads was just like, oh uh, my god, yes. Or a turn. We are like teenagers and yeah. we are the worst, and we do love it. <laughs> oh, Mads could totally be. You could play Mads as the witch when she finds out that Manadnock has magic and shit. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of funny. Perfectly. Dibs yeah, on the crossover. werewolf. <laughs> oh my. Shock. Oh, shock. Oh. 
Uh, hi, hi everyone. Hi. Oh, think- Sarah, what are you going to pitch for us? <laughs> I, I, I like, I like to, so, <laughs> I think I need a jingle. And <laughs> the good society <laughs> sound. <laughs> If any of so our harpsichord plays in the background, yeah. If any of our listeners are good with music, please make a jingle that basically explains that hi, it's time for Sarah to talk about good society again. And no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> um, good society. Good society is based on Jane Austen. Romance is there. It is prevalent, and it is amazing. Um. One of the main things you come up with when creating your characters is your character's desires. They have a bunch of pre pre-built ones, um, and a lot of them are romance-based. Um, some of them include marry your secret fiancé, uh, enter into a marriage with someone who truly loves you without revealing your hidden wealth, receive proposals from or make successful proposals to at least two eligible individuals. Um... It, it's it's so love is just <laughs> it's 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 very good that's um, wild that that one finishes marry one and discreetly farewell the other um it it is delightful romance is a part of it um because it's it's jane austen like what what are you gonna expect um but it handles it it handles it very well in that uh because you create your characters together and the desires are open and on the table um, and you specifically label which person, you know, you have maybe that romantic entanglement with, uh, the consent is laid out, mm-hmm. um, on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which makes it, uh, absolutely, um, perfect for, for, you know, a romance game with built-in lines and veils. <laughs> yeah, I've been in several games, too, where, um, everybody at the table is comfortable with romance existing in some capacity. And a few of the players before the game started, they're like, hey, do you want to play somebody who's going to be my love interest? And they'll be like, that's cool. And then they'll work on something that's going to create like conflict in their little side plot. And it works out really nicely when that's planned a little mm-hmm. bit ahead of, a little bit ahead of time like that. It doesn't surprise anybody. <laughs> There's not that risk of, oh no, I'm, my character's being pursued and I'm not into this. Like you can always ask if everybody else is cool with that existing peripherally. And so there's another player out there who thinks it will be cool. Go for it. What other games, Troy? You got any games? This is probably the part where Troy talks about estrogen. Holy shit. Estrogen. Okay, first of all, this is where Troy talks about lifting weights. It's made by the French, okay? What do you mean? It exudes romance. It really does. It's a perfect game for it. Dark, tragic romance. Dark romanticism. Yeah, exactly. It's the. It's the dark, literally their art book is called dark romanticism. Yep. And, and the, I mean, the main character arc in the campaign, uh, the official campaign, which is um, Dierg, is the character arc of love. So yeah, love is absolutely a massive part of Shadows of Estrin. And it's done again in a way that celebrates the juxtaposition of, of, the beauty that can be love, but also like the horror that can be associated with it as well. So um, at least the fear yeah, that's a part it, of it, right? Fear of losing that, which you love fear of it being squashed yeah, by I a mean, big monster that comes out of the woods. And, right? Yeah. And one of the flaws well, in that game is like tragic lost love, uh, which is actually never yeah. came up, but that was one of the flaws that Aoife rolled. And so she yeah. has this like tragic love related past. Yep. It's built into the game. Yep. I would say yeah, um, no. So that's that's definitely. I would say two. One, one which I just looked up because like I was just curious about some games that maybe do this well. I've never played it before, but I've heard it uh, about it is Passion de la Pazones, which is Passion me- de la pa- de yeah. You know I can't say things. Uh, <laughs> which, is, which is basically uh, a Telenova soap opera game. Yeah, to tell a novella. Brandon Leon Gombetta. If you guys like, yeah, yep. uh, Passion de las Passiones by Brandon Leon Gambetta. Yep, yep. yep. He, oh. Thanks, Rainey, for translating for Sorry. me. Sorry. No, I needed that. Uh, and yeah, just in a, as a genre in general, like superhero games, believe it or not, I think personally, uh, because those are entanglements when you create a good superhero character, they have to have attachments to things like characters have to have things they care about. Uh, and believe it or not, those are some really good storylines out there, storylines you can create a table by having romance in those games. And that could be with, you know, like Spider-Man and Mary Jane, but it could also more interestingly 
be between like the hero and the villain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Are you calling um, me out for flirting with the villain to get information, Christian? No, 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 no. That was a romance, by the way. You just played that poor fool. Oh, I played him <laughs> like a triangle. He was yes, so easy. You did. <laughs> I will actually say, um, speaking like of triangle. both, speaking of both Passion de las Passiones and superhero games. Masks, a uh, new generation is mm-hmm. about teenage superheroes, and it's a perfect opportunity to play off of those like young romances, like that first love, that crushing, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's really good, and the playbooks are all about interpersonal relationships and stuff like that. And I'm going to tie this all neatly with a bow for you, Christian. The writer of Pasión de las Pasiones, Brandon Leon Gambetta, has a podcast, which I will pitch, called Protean City Comics, where he runs Masks, a new generation. Uh, with his friend, they switch off, um, and they end up with like two other GMs as well, where they like switch off and run comic book arcs. Um, and free ad for them, honestly, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Mm. It's very, very good. I recommend it. Cool. Sorry. What else, Jess? You have any games? Jess, what what romance? Games all do I you play like? are Pathfinder, or all I run are Pathfinder and D and D. So I don't have. Part of it, like my first D and D character wound up married with a bunch of kids. It was just you know the way it was, and he had a side chick for a while too. That didn't go so well, Uh, but you know, listen, he was very far from home. Okay, so yeah, I will pitch. um, I will pitch Starcrossed, which I just learned about earlier today, which I think is a very interesting game. Uh, You play two characters who really, really, really want to be together, but really, really can't. Or shouldn't. Um, and I think that we've talked about this, and this is, again, going to be a game we eventually, uh, going to be a podcast we eventually record uh, for Modified Roles, which is uh, mechanics for the game you're trying to play. And I think that Starcross is great because it's all about that tension, about that we can't, but we're always finding ways to run into one another and like do these risky kind of meets and like, oh, like we're keeping each other going, you know what I mean? Like keep stringing one another along. And the mechanic for this game, much like the horror game Dread, uses a Jenga tower. So all of those tense romantic moments of should they, shouldn't they, will they, won't they, is all based on moving and uh, trying to keep a Jenga tower going. Uh, I don't think I'm supposed to say Jenga. A woodblock tower. I wonder, Um, I like wonder how that gameplay actually like... um, It's super tense. Yeah, Because it's two players across the table and you're using the same... (laughs) Uh, same tower so and every time you know like uh, and i like this this is where you think this might be going it doesn't if you're if the tower ever falls the players do act on their feelings it all falls apart they can't help it they end up together but there's an outfall uh what does that mean you know what i mean like is your love doomed is it triumphant or is there something in between Mm -hmm. and then if the tower never falls they never act on their feelings and does that some kind of great? tragedy? No, mm-hmm. no. But was it the right thing to do? Maybe. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like what a oh, like punch to the heart. Uh, you know. That's your um, so, Sarah, what's the name of the the expansion for Good Society where you play at like the long drawn out? Uh, um, like, oh, Emily Bronte. Uh, something acquaintance. Uh, it's in expanded acquaintance, but there, there's a game. There's a there's a, I forget what it's called, but we'll get it for up in the notes for the podcast. But it's um. You actually play like that long, like lifelong, like storyline. It could be generations. It could be like 10, 15 years. And, and it's designed to do that kind of like long, almost tragic kind of love story, which I think is really cool. Speaking of generations. Emma, play, forget me not. That's what it's called. Emma, forget me not. Yeah. Speaking of generational play, Christian, I think you've brought this game up before. And I don't know if it does romance well. You might be able to answer this question. Does mm-hmm. Pendragon have a kind of romantic thing in it because you do play through like the you know, entirety I, it, of Arthurian pro- I would imagine it probably does. I don't know. The only thing I know about Pendragon is it's famous for the Pendragon campaign where you play mm-hmm. from starting with Arthur's dad through the round table to the collapse of mm-hmm. the fall of Camelot. Camelot. You actually play like generations of, yeah. of knights. Uh, so I would imagine that, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, feudal romanticism is, uh, you know, whole courtly love that should be a part of it. If it's not, anyway. put it in your game if you're going to play it, right? Really yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. Let, let us know. Please do. <laughs> right. Yeah, please do reach out to us. Let us know if Pendragon is romantic. Uh, I imagine it is just because of the source material, but um, yeah. Huh? So, you're romantic, Rainy. I'm certainly not. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Thank you all so much for listening to this. We're ending on that. <laughs> <We're ending laughs> yes. Certainly not. Do we have more? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. No. Raccoons in a trench. I don't think there's more we need to say. No. Roll with it. Someone give me a better ending then. No, that was a that was that's a good one. That was a good ending. Let's end there. We'll great. sing the first right. four notes of several romantic songs. <laughs> go listen to All that. At the same time. Go, go listen to that Celine Dion song that's trending on TikTok right now. I legitimately, I legitimately put Celine Dion on my Alexa. <laughs> She's trying. <coughs> listen, Celine, Celine had some jams. That's all I'm gonna say. Celine had some jams. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's episode of Modified Roles. Uh, we greatly appreciate uh, every listen and every episode. Um, we've been getting uh, so many lovely people saying they enjoyed it and it means the world to us. Uh, if you want to connect with us, uh, we are on all of the social medias at DMs After Dark, twitch.tv slash DMs After Dark every other Friday, uh, live streaming our games. If you want to reach out to us individually, you can email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. Uh, and thank you for for, for, for for listening and being cool. Remember, folks, as George Bernard Shaw once wrote, there are two tragedies in life. One is to lose your heart's desire. The other is to gain it. Oofs. We love you all. Good night. Night. I can't believe we talked about our romance episode and I didn't get to mention uh, Horn in the Corn, which is how we affectionately refer to the adult uh, store in Newton in the middle oh of nowhere. Horn in, corn the corn. in the Corn? Oh my God. Everyone calls it Horn in the Corn. In fact, it's so remote from everything else that oftentimes if someone has to get life lighted to the hospital by helicopter, they land in that parking lot. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>